Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1072 of the Juice Box Podcast. So this is going to sound ridiculous, but I cannot pronounce the first name of today's guest. So you'll have to wait for her to say it. She's 25 years old, lives in Denmark, has a great story, and has had type 1 diabetes for about a year and a half or two years. She's currently writing her master's in psychology, and she works as a counselor right now. Lots of great stuff. I want you to hear it. I just can't say her name. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. The holidays are fast upon us, and you can use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout at CozyEarth.com to save 40% off of your entire order. Head over there now to CozyEarth.com, and don't forget to use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. You can also get started with AG1 at my link, drinkag1.com slash juicebox. And when you do, you'll get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D with your first order. Because of some changes that have recently happened in popular podcast apps, I'm asking you to go into your settings and make sure you're set up for automatic downloads, specifically Apple podcast users, your settings may have been changed by a recent upgrade and you may not be receiving the show the way you once were. Into the settings, go to automatic downloads and choose download all episodes. This episode of the Juice Box podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. Get the same meter my daughter uses at contournext.com slash juicebox. You deserve a quality meter and the Contour Next Gen has been shown to provide remarkably accurate readings. Contournext.com slash juicebox. My name is Lukke. I come from Denmark. I am 25 years old. I'm currently writing my master's in uh, psychology. I got diabetes in September of 2001, so I've had it for about a year and a half. In my free time, I play lots of Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, I also work as a counselor for a company, I guess, named Headspace, which counsels uh, young people for free here in uh, here in Denmark. Hmm. So yeah, did that's you, what I do. Did you say you were diagnosed in 2021? Yeah. Okay. And you're 25 now? Yeah. Got it. Okay. And Denmark? Mm-hmm. What do I know about Denmark? Very little, I'm assuming. No one knows about Denmark. Maybe it was on an episode of Ted Lasso. That's what I'm right now. Well, it's kind of the middle child of Scandinavia. People always forget that we exist. They know that Sweden and Norway exist. And Finland. No, Finland's part of the North. But no one knows about Denmark. We're tiny. What is it about Denmark that makes it sort of just blend in? Well, I guess that it's like... The nature and weather is really, really boring, and it's a really small country, and everything's just sort of mediocre compared to Norway and Sweden, uh, because Sweden and Norway, they have, like, these uh, large mountains and uh, grand nature, and it's like a fairy tale, and Denmark, it's like, we have some we have some hills, 
Copenhagen is nice, I guess. <laughs> we have some hills. We have some hills. Uh, yeah, we we. It's like Denmark is very flat. It's very very flat. Uh, so like in Norway and Sweden, there's the there are lots of mountains, and uh, in Denmark, I think our tallest mountain in air quotes, uh, it's called Himmelbjerg, and every time any Norse or Swede person visits it, they're always profoundly disappointed. That's hilarious. Uh, That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Well, and to make your point, I think I. I think I was wrong about it being on a television show. So I must have mixed mm. it up with something else as well. Well, we we have some famous actors. Who, we who? have we have the guy who played uh, Jamie in uh, Game of Thrones. That that was a Danish person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have Mess Mikkelsen, the guy who played uh, Grindelwald in uh, Fanta- in the Fantastic Beasts movies. I believe I know him from the Star Wars TV shows. That may be very possible. Right, I don't right. know Star Wars. Yeah, that's okay. I like how you picked out the most famous person you could think of, and then you were like, he was the ga- the guy from Game of Thrones. <laughs> and actually know yeah. his name. Well, now yeah. I can... Hear, here's something interesting. I'm looking at his name, and probably for money I couldn't say it. Well, it's Nikolai Costa Veldau. Yes, I definitely yeah. wasn't going to say it. <laughs> yeah, and you're not going to be able to pronounce my name either. Like, my full name is... Uh, it's poison to foreigners. Like... <laughs> <laughs> well, there are so many A's in that second word. Yeah, that's because uh, it's like an oldest way of of writing a letter that we actually already have a sound for, like O. But sometimes, like uh, we'll just like write the O, which is like a little A with like a ball above above it. Uh, <laughs> like a lot of times, we'll just like write A A, and it'll be the same sound, and then. The extra letter that we invented is totally redundant. Yeah, and I don't know why. You start putting you start putting balls on letters, and I'm out pretty quickly. Yeah, so, yeah. So, we also have an O with a like uh, a line through it. So pronounce your first name for me. Luca. Okay, now I'm never gonna say that right because it sounds no. like it sounds like Luca to me, but that's not correct. That's not correct. I've also been called Loki before. <laughs> I wasn't gonna do that one. <laughs> so is it Luca? Luca. Is it Luca? Luca. Is it faster? Do I need to swallow some of the letters? Like Luca? You sort of like you sort of need to give up on the last part of the name and then you need to pronounce the Y. It's pronounced U Lu Luca. I'm That's not, closer. It's closer. What am I gonna call you during conversation though? Because I'm gonna stop every second and go, uh Well. You, you can call me Joy or Lucky if you want to, because uh, my name, it basically means happiness in Danish. Okay. It's the Danish word for happiness. So okay. usually I just call myself Joy or Lucky to avoid any mispronunciations of my name or torturing anyone foreign. <laughs> All right. I'm going to write that down. By the way, you're foreign, not me. I'm just kidding. Hi. Everyone's foreign to Americans. <laughs> So you, uh, you're in the middle of, let's see, let's kind of pull this all together. Mm. Was there any type one or other autoimmune stuff in your family line? Not type one, not any diabetes, but there is a, a lot of autoimmune in my family. Everyone on my mother's side has hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure which kind. And then, uh, my mom has rheumatoid arthritis. <laughs> R- we'll call that R.A. Yeah, R.A. Mm-hmm. My mom is R.A. Um, 
I don't think there is anything more that I know of. There was also like, uh, I think my uh, great grandmother had hyperthyroidism. Okay. Uh, there is a lot of stuff wrong with people's thyroids in this family. <laughs> is that a countrywide thing or just your family? I think it's actually really common, but from listening to your podcast, for instance, I get the feeling that it's common everywhere, but I guess I know a lot of, I've met a lot of people with something wrong with their thyroid in varying degrees. Yeah, I I think that there can be times that the podcast can confuse you into believing the whole world is like this, but, (laughs) you know, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, you just keep interviewing people that have type one and they're like, Oh yeah, I, yeah, I, have, yeah. I have celiac. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after 800 episodes, like uh, you, you sort of think the entire world has type one diabetes, Exactly, which is not true, but, uh, and then you go out there and then people suddenly think that you need insulin when you have low blood sugar and you're like reminded, Oh <laughs> yes, it's just me. Almost no one understands this. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, that's so, why the community is important and why it's interesting mm-hmm. and, and valuable to surround yourself yeah. with people. Yeah. So what was your diagnosis like? What happened? It was during summer vacation, uh, I believe, like the summer of uh, 2001. I had, uh, I just finished my sixth semester of university. And I don't know, I can't exactly pinpoint when it started, but uh, suddenly I was uh, peeing a lot more, uh, drinking a lot more, um, going to going to the bathroom all the time, um, classic symptoms. I got really, really hungry and I ate basically constantly, but I was still losing weight and I was just, I felt shitty and Mm -hmm. tired. Um, I think I had an infected uh, wisdom tooth or something. I, I had a toothache and I was also... I was working a summer job and uh, that summer job required that um, we basically lived there and the toilets were like a bit further away from our rooms. So sort of illustrated to me that I had a problem when I had to like walk 50 meters. How long is that in feet? Oh, it was longer than that. Like a hundred meters down and back the hall to use the bathroom like eight times a night. Uh. And um, then when I started university again, it it just got worse. My breathing got really, really hollow. And uh, I work out a lot. Uh, I do strength training. And I was just, for the first time in my training career, I was getting weaker. And I felt bad. And my workouts just sucked. And I was wondering what the world was wrong with me. And then I decided to go to the doctor i think i had read something on the internet and like i had an idea that maybe this is diabetes but i went to the doctor with my symptoms and um they did have the blood draw on me for some reason they didn't do a finger prick even though i essentially described all of the symptoms of type 1 diabetes and i had my blood drawn and then i went home and uh, i went on with my day and um i was going to on the university for a lecture the next day um so i went to sleep early i put my phone on silent and um suddenly in the middle of the night two paramedics were standing in the middle of my apartment and like poking me to wake me up which was uh which was really scary i i um 
the door to my apartment complex is never locked. And for some reason, I had forgotten to lock my door that night, which was really lucky. But they were standing looking at me and telling me that my blood sugar was uh, 30, which I believe is like 500 in milligrams per deciliter. Wait, how did they know? And Wait, what, how did they know what, what was happening to you? Well, in Denmark, we have universal health care, which means that um, the entire healthcare system is connected. So the blood that they had drawn, they had drawn from me uh, at my um, oh, yeah. at my GP, they had sent down to um, the university hospital. And then they saw that uh, I was, uh, they probably saw that I was in danger of DKA. And then they called the paramedics, which are part of uh, the universal Danish healthcare system. Wow. That's... So they, they sent me them after me. And that is such a thing that wouldn't happen here that I couldn't like fathom how the, how the emergency services people were there. I'm like, how would they know to come? Like who called them? And yeah, if that happened here, they'd call your house once and leave a message. Be like, Hey, your blood yeah. sugar is really high. Go to the hospital. That might be the yeah. end of it. I believe Afterwards, I looked at my phone and they'd called me like 10 times. Oh, so they really thought you were like somebody was smart enough to go, this person's yeah. not answering the phone and yeah. they might be in DKA. Wow, that yeah. is super lucky and fortunate. Yeah, that was really fortunate because like, I mean, my blood sugar was really high. Yeah. Uh, and my vision was blurry and like, I, 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 I don't know how I didn't know anything was wrong, but like you get used to feeling... Like garbage, I guess. Yeah. No, it just happens slowly enough that, I mean, it's it's like being put to sleep, right? You just, you don't yeah. know what's happening after a while and then boom, it's over. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you just, you just accept that your life sucks and... Uh, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> and you don't have it. enough, sometimes you don't have enough energy to even consider it when something's going wrong with your health, you know? No, not really. Yeah. So I'm assuming they took you to a hospital. They, the paramedics, they discovered that, uh, you know, they were able to talk to me. I was functional. And um, then uh, they called a taxi. <laughs> okay. Did they not have <laughs> they, a car with them? Well, well, I mean, I assume they did, but I guess they had other calls that night. And they were like, she's functional. She's good. Uh, we can we can send her a taxi, and then like there was a taxi within like twenty minutes, and I packed my stuff and went to the ER, and they drew blood on me and checked uh, for ketones and stuff like that. It was the middle of the night at this point. Yeah, well, that definitely would not happen here because then they couldn't bill you for the ambulance ride. No, uh, uh, yeah. we're getting no bills. It was all free. Yeah, here you're going in that ambulance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If I lived in the U.S., I would probably have refused. I, I don't have the money for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So now you're at the hospital. How long do you stay at the hospital? As you heard earlier, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter. But when you get a Contour meter, what you're really getting is their test strips. Contour Next test strips feature remarkable accuracy as part of the Contour Next blood glucose monitoring system. They're the number one branded over-the-counter test strips. And they, of course, have second-chance sampling. Second-chance sampling can help you to avoid wasted strips. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Near the top of the page, you'll see a Buy Now button. It's bright yellow. When you click on that, you'll get eight options of places online to buy contour meters and test strips. 
Walmart.com, Amazon, Walgreens, CVS Pharmacy, Meyer, Kroger, Target, Rite Aid. These are all links you'll find at my link. Linkity link. Links but a link, blink, blink, link. I'm just kidding. Head over there. Now, won't you please? Listen, the contour meters are incredibly accurate. They are simple to use. They are easy to hold, easy to read, and they have a bright light for nighttime testing. Part of me wants to say that the second chance sampling is the biggest deal, but honestly, it's the accuracy. These meters are accurate. And I know a lot of people like to think, well, I have a CGM. I don't need a meter. You do. You need a meter. You need to be accurate. You deserve it to be accurate. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Take a look at the Contour Next Gen and the other meters available from Contour. When you use my links, you're supporting the production of the show and helping to keep it free and plentiful. Only a couple hours, actually. Really? Yeah, they drew, they drew, uh, they drew my blood checked for ketones. For some, I was really, really lucky. I had very, very few ketones. Um, and they gave me some long-acting insulin, shot me with like seven units or something. Mm-hmm. And there came, uh, there came, there came an endocrinologist in and basically told me that um, you have type one diabetes and I'm really sorry and explained what it was and like I was just in shock like I I couldn't take it in like I I, I just responded I remember that I just responded responded in Danish with Aditzhals um, which is essentially the uh, American recri- equivalent of oh that sucks. <laughs> and um then I got my long acting insulin and um I went home and uh, I did not get any sleep that night but uh I was asked to come in at 11 a.m. the next day and uh, basically get all of my training in like how type 1 diabetes works and how to take insulin and stuff like that and I, of course, I called my parents. Uh, they live in the other end of the country, actually, mm-hmm. which uh, I know sounds far, but it's Denmark. It's very, very small. It's not a lot. But they, uh, like, I called them in the middle of the night, and, and um, they came the next day and drove me to uh, drove me to the hospital and uh, was there the entire day with me. Wow. Well, that's something yeah. else. And And I just looked up. It says that Denmark is about the size of... Colorado, if somebody's looking for uh yeah. yeah. Okay. Michigan is about six times larger than Denmark. Yeah, basically. I mean, when you when you speak to other people from other countries, you're talking about like how how the size of that country compares to a state Denmark that, that we're not talking states. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> uh cities. It's very very small. Yeah, it says it's about two times the size of New Jersey, and I could yeah. dr- I could drive the length of New Jersey and maybe two hours if I needed to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, from the end of the country where I am into like the furthest end, which is not where my parents are from. That's like three hours of driving maybe. So like from here, I live in Olborg and uh, then you drive and uh, the farthest place that's away from Olborg is Copenhagen. And that's like, yeah, Three, three and a half hours in the car. It just occurred to me that I could have just asked how far was the drive for your parents. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, the pa- the drive for my parents uh, was like two hours. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and now you're at the hospital. They give you some training. You're back home the, the same day? Yep. I would imagine because they let you go the night before. Yeah. And do you have um, pens? Do you have a meter? What do they give you? 
I get uh, I get pens. I get um, Novo Rapid, and I get Simgly, which Simgly I think that's a biosimilar to Lantus. Mm-hmm. And your your orders are what? Count carbs or sliding scale? How do they start you? They start me with sliding scale. They're not even like I'm the one bringing up carbs because I know quite a lot about nutrition and I know that insulin is required to bring down carbs, but they told me not to worry about that. And they then they handed me a sliding scale and then that was it. You're out of here. Uh, I'm out of there. But like they also like essentially the Danish, I think, Steno Diabetes Center, which is like the Danish government's like specialized unit at the hospital to take care of diabetes. They gave me um, some pamphlets that I could take home and read about like different aspects of diabetes. And then uh, I wasn't just going home and then that was it. I was like returning for the next week and getting like um, education on like some aspects of diabetes, like how diabetes affects like physical activity, what happens when you drink alcohol, like what low blood sugar, what low blood sugar does, what high blood sugar does. Like it it was like an entire little program that uh, spanned it over uh, a week or two. Did it help you? I think it helped me uh, with the basics. Okay. Enough to get you going so you couldn't hurt yourself, that kind of idea. Yeah. Yeah. It was like it was very rudimentary, really, but it was like they did get the basics down, and I got to talk to a dietitian too. Like they have an entire program for educating you on diabetes, mm-hmm. um, and that's all free and, as well, right? What? That's all free. It doesn't cost you anything. No, it doesn't cost me anything. It's just like part of the program when you're diagnosed with the type one diabetes. What about the insulin and the pens? Is there a fee for that? Uh, yes, I think, um, with insulin, the Danish, the Danish healthcare system, like universal insurance, it works like a deductible, I believe. Um, so at the the beginning of the year, when you first purchase your insulin, you pay for all of it. And then when you reach a certain, um, a certain number like a certain amount of money, then like they'll subtract the they'll subtract sixty percent at first, and then when you reach another number, you they'll subtract like seventy five percent, and then when you reach another number, it's like eighty five percent, I believe. So at the end of the year, you're pay you're basically paying nothing to very little for your insulin. Mm. Okay. You go get it at a pharmacy, they send it to your house. Where do you get it from? You get it in a pharmacy. And then the pharmacy also has an app so that you can like uh, reserve your insulin. So they have it ready for you uh, when you come and get it. That's smart and simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, here I, but they send the prescription to the pharmacy and then you get a text and then later you get a phone call that says, oh, it's not in. We're going to have to order it. Oh. And then they never call you back. And then you just ah. guess if it's there. And app sounds yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, it's very simple, really. Yeah. Like you, you reserve your insulin. You go down. You get it. You, like, you meet your deductible, like, uh, throughout the year. And then suddenly, like, you're paying very little for your insulin. Something else. Wow. 
Okay. Yeah. Now, how did you find, well, I guess my, before I ask you this, I'm, I'm just interested, how long did your parents stay with you? My parents, um, I went home with my parents to uh, the town that I grew up in, actually, because, um, like, uh, the day after, like, the day after I'd been to the ER in the middle of the night, like, uh, the realization hit that I was going to have a chronic illness for the rest of my life, and uh, I was going to be taking insulin until I died, and then, then I just, like, I broke down. I was very very sad about that and um i was i was really really scared of going to sleep because i was scared of low blood sugar like i essentially was afraid that i was just going to die in my sleep i had no confidence dosing insulin at all and i was also like i was really a hypochondriac when i was a child and i still had a little of that so i was also immediately scared of going blind and neuropathy and my kidney shutting down. And like, I was just the first months of my diagnosis was just me living in a giant panic attack. Essentially. Were you able to process it on your own or did you need to speak with someone? Um, I got a psychologist, Steno, which is like the Danish diabetes unit. They're able to provide you with a psychologist. If you after diagnosis, if you ask for it, uh, and if they see that you need it, and um, then and you felt like, you felt like you needed it, yeah. And I was able to. More importantly, I was able to convince them that I needed it. How how were you able to convince them? But with the crying or the? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was uh, the crying yeah. and uh, the my life is over talk, and um, then then I study psychology myself, so I know what like what stuff they're looking for when they're assigning you as a psychologist. So I also played a bit on that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, mm. you're 23, right? At that point. Yeah, I'm 23. That's pretty young. Yeah. And you're living on your own and, yeah. you're, and you're trying to complete your schooling. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. And you didn't have any idea this was coming because there's no type one in your, not even like a half a thought, like, Oh, my uncle has it or. Nope. Yeah. Right. Just out of nowhere. Did you, ha- Did you have any illnesses before you were diagnosed? I've only ever had um, psychiat- um, psychiatric illnesses. Like, I have no experience with somatic stuff. Okay. Are you willing to share those? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I was diagnosed with autism when I was uh, six years old. And then I think, I'm pretty sure it went undiagnosed because I was ashamed of it and never talked about it in my high school years. I had pretty bad anxiety back then. And then also in my, I believe it was like, was when I was 18 to when I was about 20, I also had anorexia. Mm -hmm. And then I spent like uh, my time, like from 20 to 23, uh, like recovering from that. So uh, I have I have a bunch of fun stuff. Did you ever have any issues that didn't start with an A? Hmm. Anxiety, no. autism, and, and I don't <laughs> are you working your way through the alphabet, the American alphabet? I hope not. Like that—that's a lot of uh, psychiatric illnesses. Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, 
I'm interested in all of it, but let me start with autism. What gets you an autism diagnosis? Well, essentially, I was, um, that was my parents noticing that I was, I was strange, (laughs) essentially. I was a weird child. Like, I had a lot of sensory issues. I had a lot of issues with, like, different kinds of fabric touching my body. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so like I couldn't have like two layers of fabric on at once. And there were certain kinds of fabric that I just didn't want touching me. I was also really sensitive to sounds. Um, I wouldn't be able to like distract myself from certain sounds. Like if there was a lawnmower outside, for instance, that sound would just drive me crazy because for some reason my brain couldn't, could distract itself from it. And I had some social issues too. And I was like, normally people with autism speak a lot later than others. I spoke very, very early. I had motorical issues. I learned to walk very, very late. And um, my fine motor skills weren't great. And those are all sort of early signs of autism. And Mm. I was diagnosed with infantile autism, I believe it's called, because like the symptoms were noticeable before I was three years old. I see. Mm. Do any of those things still exist for you? All of them? Some of them? Basically all of them, but uh, in a more muffled form. Muffled, not as impactful. Not as impactful. It's gotten better. Like partly because like, Maybe some of it like just got better on its own, but also because I've I've learned to deal with it essentially. How? How do you deal? Well, since I think a big part of it was really beginning to study psychology, for instance, because um, learning about the issues that I have and um, emotional intelligence was. A big part of it, because usually people with autism struggle uh, both socially and with introspection of their own emotions. And the study of psychology is basically all about socialization, other people, yourself, and introspection and emotions. So I learned, I taught myself a lot through that. And then I also found some groups of people that I could socialize with that um, I clicked well with and where my sort of social struggles were more accepted than they were with like regular folk. Okay. What, what are some of those struggles socially? I tend to be very nervous around people and uh, I, I really struggled like reading people and knowing what sort of behavior and, um, what behavior and what sort of interactions were appropriate. I also like really, really lack confidence in myself because I had screwed up lots of social situation and social situations and got heavy backlash for it when I was a kid. So I, I struggled <laughs> with even thinking that I was capable of like talking to people without them thinking I was weird. Mm-hmm. When you say like, things that are inappropriate. Like, what are we talking about? Like I look up and your ass is out or you're saying something (laughs) where you're saying something to me like, Hey Scott, I don't know why people talk to you because you're so fat and ugly. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, is it like, what's the level of inappropriateness or misunderstanding? Well, it's, 
I don't know exactly if it was things that I would say, or I mean, yes, it would. Uh, sometimes I tend to repeat stuff, like stuff I think is funny. Uh, when I was younger, I tended to like repeat a funny sentence that I heard a lot. Okay. Um, and I struggled to come up with words, so I use replacements that sometimes sounded strange and I was really struggling with eye contact like if I was talking to you uh, or someone else I was probably looking all sorts of other places than your face like mm. I, I wouldn't look people in the eye and that's that's strange and like my facial expressions and my body language weren't they were essentially non-existent or either they were non-existent or like really overpronounced. I see. So stuff like that. And do these, do these things have any like everyday impact on your life as an adult? Uh, they still do less. So I would say, because um, I've worked with it a lot. Like, it's not like it's gone, but it's a lot better, but it still has the impact in the sense that, even though I'm better at socializing and I think most people would consider me normal, I still feel weird and really incompetent in all social situations. I'm constantly con thinking that people think I'm weird. If you wouldn't have shared this with me, I'd have no idea about this. Yeah, that, that, that's what people tell me a lot. But for some reason, it doesn't really sink in. Like, it's just years and years of having a certain image of myself. Yeah, yeah, no. I, listen, if not being able to make eye contact is is autism, then everybody I meet has it. Because oh. people just don't look each other in the face very frequently. Oh, they don't? No, I don't think so. Like, I, listen, I'll share with you that when I was young... I taught myself to stare at my teacher's forehead because mm. because I recognized that it made me look like I was looking them in the eye. Ah, yeah. But I didn't I was want taught to. to. I was taught to do that too. Really? Yeah, I don't mm. do. I don't do it any longer. I did it like I don't know, middle school, high school, maybe. And I don't have trouble looking people in the eye anymore. Mm. But I just it wasn't something that I was good at at one point. So I kind of cheated my way into it a little bit i'm gonna yeah. I, i'm gonna guess it's because i got yelled at a lot at home and it's hard to look yeah. somebody in the face when they're yelling at you yeah you know what i mean because it's uh, easier to pretend you're not going to get whacked if you're not looking at the person who's yelling <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but anyway uh, it's it's really fascinating and then anxiety was mixed in with that yeah i had uh, a lot of anxiety about like a lot of stuff when i was like, I think a teenager, like, even a child, really, to high school, for some reason, I developed, like, this uh, existential anxiety and this, like, anxiety around death and disease. So when I was a child, I was constantly, like, checking myself for lumps to see if I had cancer. And when I was a teenager, I was, I was really, really afraid for some reason that, like, the world was just gonna implode and we'd all die. Like a meteorite would hit the earth or something and would just, like, that'll just be the end of humanity. And I was thinking about that all of the time and really, really scared constantly. And 
I don't know what that was. It was just there and then it disappeared. Hmm. Yeah. In the 80s, they made a movie in America, like a made-for-TV movie about about nuclear war. Uh, and and my, yeah. my entire generation, like, grew up thinking, like, we were all going to get blown up. Yeah. You know, so... Um, and it was just, it was like just a movie and we were, just, we were mm. all just like, this is it. You know, this is how it's going to yeah. happen. Just going to catch yeah. fire and turn to dust and that'll be that. And, yeah. But I didn't think about it constantly. When you talk about constantly every day. Essentially every day. Yeah. Wow. And I couldn't sleep either. Like every day, every night. And like, I was just a constant ball of anxiety. I mm. just. Were you able to manage that? Like, is there something you do for it now? I was able to. I did. I started to like in the night. I would actually listen to podcasts a lot because if I had something in my ears, I wasn't thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think like mainly I distracted myself away from it, and, and that I don't worked. know if I don't know if it's because like I've gotten like smarter or more critically thinking or something but like it disappeared it's no it's not really a problem anymore except for when i was diagnosed with type one yeah you fell back into it for a while yeah okay so tell me about the eating disorder when did that start it's around i think it started like briefly when i was 16 years old or something i'd always been a small kid a small teenager in the sense that i didn't i didn't weigh a lot Mm-hmm. When I hit puberty and got a little bit into that, you know, I started gaining a bit of weight as you do. And I wasn't comfortable with that. I wasn't comfortable with it at all. And I had all, I also had really, really low self esteem. And so I think, like, for some reason, I equated, I started to equate a lot of my self worth to my weight. And my ability to stay small. Like I every most people in my family are essentially overweight. And I think I got like a lot of like positively loaded comments about like being small. And so I didn't have anything else about me that, you know, I considered positive or that I really liked. So staying small for some reason like became my entire identity mm-hmm. i just like i had i had to be small i had to be thin no matter what and then you you start to develop all of these like toxic habits um to stay small i started counting my calories and like reducing my calories and i started exercising and upping the exercise and reducing the calories even further and tracking everything and then i just became addicted to watching the number and the scale just go down and that became the only thing that mattered and i was just existing in like just when you hunger when you talk when you talk about coming from a family where people are bigger so were they when they would comment about you was the comment like hey you should hold on to this like you've got the you're not you're not like us. Stay skinny or whatever. Or was it? Was it like? Oh, I, I'm seeing two pounds on you. Like, don't go. Mm-hmm. The, don't go the wrong way. Like, which? Which was the pressure coming from? 
No, nah, they weren't. They weren't mean about it at all, really. Like I think mostly it was it was a sort of envy of like I I really really liked candy and stuff uh, when I was younger. I ate a lot of unhealthy stuff. I think it was mostly an expression of maybe envy that I was able to eat like that and you know stay skinny. And then when I wasn't. I'm not entirely sure what it was because it wasn't that like clear association between like you're skinny, that's good. I think it was also like it might have something to do with like uh, boys and romantic interests too because I remember a lot of guys would like also comment on me being cute and small, like small and cute. Uh, and that was really positively charged. And I think like that that was probably also one of the things that made me value skinniness as highly as I did. Okay, so when the when the men say you're cute, then you want to stay cute, and cute is yeah. a word that means tiny. Yeah, cute means tiny. It's funny you say this because I know what you look like, mm. and if you wanted me to objectify you for a second, I just kind of talk <laughs> about you like a girl, like that I'm interested in, and not a person I know, right? Mm. You're yeah. you're adorable, but adorable oh. means small too, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I think I associate like small with adorable, really. Yeah, you're, and so you're pretty, and you're fit, and you're feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like I like that you are un- that you'd ever have been unsure about your looks is very telling about all of this. Yeah, Be- because you should not, you should not lack confidence in your feminine appearance does that make sense yeah and i think like i i don't really anymore Mm -hmm. like i'm so i'm not like totally stoked about the way my body looks but i think it looks good it looks fine and i'm also like heavier than i've ever been before but a lot of it's muscle really so well do you even can you hear how like i spoke about it like I said, you're fit but feminine. Like, what do you? What, mm. what does that really mean to you? Uh, what does that mean? Mm. I actually don't know. See, so from a boy, I, from a boy's perspective, you're lean and shapely, and still have. Oh my God, what am I saying? Do you have any idea how many times over nine years I'm speaking, and there's a voice in my head going, "You know, people are recording this, and you're the one yeah. recording it." You still have an ample bosom. For your size, so yeah. you're so you're curvy. Yeah, I I yeah. think that was what I was gonna say if I was able to think fast, but I'm not. But <laughs> yeah, I think like feminine and fit that would mean like curvy to me, and I think that's what I am. So like, and is that actually, what you want to be? Yeah, actually, I think I'm quite happy about the way I look. But yeah, but you just a second ago said that you're you described your like physical appearance and you're like it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's, but it's not just fine. Like I could yeah. I could put a line of girls up that would uh that would would fight somebody to look like you. Yeah. And you know, logically I know that, uh, but it's something I have to, you know, remind myself of sometimes because my default state is well, my default state is not like self-deprecation anymore. It's more like neutrality i think mm. you even have good teeth i have yeah you're got you've got good teeth what 
I like your teeth. What do you want from me? They're nice, and, like clear, like solid, no gaps. I know you have like incisors, right? Do they bother you? I don't have uh, incisors. I have like I've never done anything to my teeth. No, no, like the little fang teeth on the side, like are a little pointy. Does that bother you? I have those. People point those out to me all the time. Oh, nothing about like my teeth don't really bother me. I think I. I've never really considered my teeth because there has never been anything wrong with my teeth. Yeah, no, because they're perfect. Yeah, yeah they're perfect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm just pointing all this out because I, yeah. I think for people who don't understand the things that you've gone through, it would be, it's different. It, like maybe they're like, I don't know. Maybe people are sitting there and, you know, imagining, you know, Quasimodo and, <laughs> and, and you're, you just don't, you don't fit the, you don't fit visually for how you feel. And I think that's really interesting and, yeah. and and worth like shining a light on. And you say you don't feel like that much anymore. It seems like a lot of your issues you've aged through well. Mm, so yeah. that's on purpose though, right? Yeah, I, I've worked a lot of my, on myself. I think my education has helped a lot and given me a lot of tools to process a lot of the things that i uh, about myself that I've needed and wanted to work on. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Did you go into this line of study to help yourself? I don't think so initially, actually. I just think I thought in high school, I had a really, really good psychology teacher and I just got like fascinated um, about the subject really. And um so I went to study and then, then like it was just sort of a byproduct that it helped me out so much. Yeah. It's really interesting. It, it, it's, and I mean, because you see people all the time who have type one go into nursing or something medical to, and yeah. they'll, and they'll say like, Oh, growing up, I had this doctor that was so great mm. to me and I wanted to help people the same way. I was yeah. just wondering about that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's fascinating. You're going to be a great, role model for people because you've gone through things and and found interesting and and valuable ways to get through them so oh, thank you no of course i mean listen you start off with anxiety and autism uh diagnosis and you know you're anorexic and you had no trouble talking about your body i can't mm. for the life of me hear that you're autistic while I'm talking to you in any way, shape, and you don't seem anxious any longer. So Oh, success. <laughs> seriously, well done. I give up Yay. now. Give up now. You won. It's over. <laughs> yeah, I can just like uh I'll I'll just lay down and die now. I've <laughs> well, no, no. I was just gonna say cut yourself a break <laughs> a little bit, but uh, so what what are the like what are future goals? I really just like want to be like find a place where I belong, which is really, really strange to say, but like I've sort of lived in this like limbo for a while where like I, I live in the city, like in, at the very, very north of Denmark, where like I moved away from most of my friends and most of my family, like to study something that I really, really like, by the way. Mm -hmm. But also like, I don't really feel like I have a home here and that I belong. I, I, I think like I'm searching for like a, a base where I can feel comfortable and happy and just, just content. What would, and, what would make that for you? Do you think? 
Well, I think finding a place where like I have something that I'm really passionate about and something that makes me like genuinely happy because when as long as I've been, you know, living here and studying, like I feel like my life has been sort of like a gray mass. Not terrible, like it's acceptable, it's fine, but I I don't really have like like happiness, which which is strange because my name means happiness, but I don't feel like I am really happy. And it's not like I want to be like madly gleeful all of the time. <laughs> I just like want to like have like these spikes of happiness sometimes and like they don't come. not for they don't really come like uh i get like i feel like my life is like a straight line and then sometimes i get kicked in the shins like anorexia like type 1 diabetes and then like it just returns to the gray mass do you think this could be a byproduct of the fact that you're just you're in school so a lot of your existence is get up, exist, take care of your diabetes, go learn something, come home, study, cook, sleep. Is it, is it just I think so. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I think that's it really, because I think Corona also like played a part in it because we were all sent home and then like the entire community in my, um, my year just evaporated because no one was talking we couldn't get together or anything so yeah everyone went home everyone went home and like all sense of community sort of just evaporated there and then also i'm not i'm not a big party girl Mm -hmm. i do not like drinking i do not want to be drinking i despise hangovers dancing sucks I hate loud music. I hate large crowds of people. Everything about like partying just. Yeah, you don't realize, I think. Repulses me. I think you don't realize when you go to school that you're being artificially given a community. Yeah. And you accept it because Mm. because you're like all in the same boat and you're all having the same experience. So you kind of group together. And then within that group, you find a few people who you jive with. Yeah. Right. And then it kind of goes back to long time ago. I I was working a part time job for my uncle and my cousin, obviously, well, not obviously, but my cousin worked there, too. Mm. And he had been out of high school for a little bit. And I asked Mm. I asked him what it was like to be out of high school. And he said, it's hard to meet people. Yeah, it's really hard. That made me realize that even school it's just an artificial, like, high school is an artificially, like, collection of people who don't really have anything in common with each other other than they were born in the same date range and, mm. and therefore put to the school at the same time. But it doesn't matter because once you get there, mm. you meet people and you're like, okay, well, here's somebody I'll, you know, I get along with really well and I can yeah. spend time with. And and now you don't, you just don't have that any longer. So is this a oh. maybe a situation where you need to get out of school and get working? Yeah, I think so. I'm just counting the days until I'm done and I can get out and get some work and uh, hopefully get some colleagues. And It's not like I don't have community at all. Like I mentioned in the beginning, I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons with people, do a lot of role playing. And 
there you I have like groups in my free time where we play together and it's really fun and uh, that that brightens up that brightens up my week there are no um I'm sorry are we looking for boys or girls or what are we worried what are we looking for we're looking for everyone everyone okay and there's there no one in the d d group that can help you find your dungeon I don't know <laughs> find my dungeon. <laughs> That sounds gross. I'm sorry. Pick a different word. (laughs) (laughs) My community, I guess. Share their sword with you. I didn't know where to go with this, really. (laughs) So, like, is that group not large enough to date within, I guess, is the question. Date? Yeah, like dating. Do you date? I I do date. Uh, Or I did date. I had Tinder installed for a couple of months, then decided I hated it and deleted it. (laughs) Was that dating or was that sex? Uh, that was dating. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't do the one night stand thing at all. Like, I, if I'm looking for anything, I'm looking for relationships. But also, I hate, you know, the process of actively work, uh, like looking for relationships. I feel pathetic in a way. Like, like, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, you're like, please, somebody like me. Yeah, please, somebody like me. I'm so lonely. Help. They're lonely, too, though. Yeah, everyone's lonely yeah. a little bit, I think. Well, even even your family, like your mom and your dad, or m- myself and my wife and my kids, we're still just people who randomly, to some degree, got thrown together, right? Like, we, like I lived in the same town as my wife. Mm. She worked at a place where I frequented. I walked in and I was like, if I could get one of these people, it would be her. So I'll try. And then if I would have frequented a different place, there may have been a different girl there who I was like, maybe that Mm. one. And then my, but I'd still maybe have kids and a life with her now, 25 Mm. years later. It's all very random. It's not as choosy. Like like it's as you, as you think it is while you're living through it. I don't know if that makes sense or not. You know, yeah, I guess that that's the I don't like dating because it feels so forced. Uh, I like meeting someone that I like naturally. Problem is, that happens very rarely. Like, well, you're not around enough people, and 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 I, by the way, I don't disagree with you. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to meet somebody where there was loud music and dancing either. Like, I don't think that's probably an effective way to meet a spouse if that's what you're looking for, for example. (laughs) Well, well, I'm not like it sounds like I'm just madly looking for a relationship. I mean, I'm just like looking for like, like really, I'd, I'd be content just having a really tight knit group of friends. Yeah, well, I see. And I, I do have some close friends, but like because I live in the other end of the country, and like we have like we have our life in different in different cities uh, or everyday life i don't like i see them on the weekends and stuff like that but i don't really have like a person or people that you know i'm in contact with every day that i really really like have you heard um like news stories that people are just in general having less sex oh yeah lots of it right i wonder what that is I haven't really thought about it a whole lot, but is it the phone? Like, is it that you just have a way to contend yourself? Is it like, I wonder what does that exactly? Well, it might be the internet and like, I mean, and computers and technology in general, because if you think about it, you really like don't have 
to go out as much to do stuff. Like in the old days, like you had to, if you wanted to watch a movie, for instance, you had to go to the movie theater and now like you can just like stream everything. And you had to, like, if you wanted to send a letter, you had to go to the post office and then you might run into someone. Like there, there is a lot of stuff that you can just do from your home and you don't have to go out as much. Yeah, it ruins the social aspect of it. Yeah. Just to say this though, between you, know, I'm, I hope this doesn't sound creepy, but after <laughs> after I saw my first breast in person, my whole life was about finding more of them. Like mm. I didn't, I didn't focus on much else. I was like, I want more girls to like me. I'm <laughs> going to work on that, and it just, I don't see people thinking like that any longer. I think some people, a lot of people do actually, but I think that. A lot of people like lack the social skills to meet people because like we're sitting so much by ourselves, looking so much at our screens and like staying home so much that like we're, we're socially interacting less. And then like people may still have those desires, but like they're just sitting at home a lot. They're not getting out a lot to talk to people and they like socializing is a skill right you have to train it yeah and people don't do that as much and then i think they get really low we have a fancy word for it in psychology called self-efficacy like they believe less in themselves and they, they believe less that they're able to like properly socially interact and then like even though they want to see boobs they don't go out and uh, try to actually talk to a pretty girl and uh like they, they just don't know how to seems insane to me yeah it, it isn't like off-putting the idea like i know people don't know how to talk to each other mm. the frequency in my life that someone has told me like you have no idea how lucky you are that you can strike up a conversation with somebody mm. and that it's interesting or that people want to have that conversation and i i don't you know i can't take credit for it i don't it's not like a thing i did on purpose you understand, mm. but Arden's away at school. She's in a communications class this quarter, and she had to give this talk. Mm. And when it was over, the the professor said, "Like, if anybody wants feedback on their talk, just stay after class." So Arden mm. Arden stayed after class, and um, she was pretty far at the end of the line. And she said that when she got up to the professor, he said, "You need feedback," and she's like, "Yeah, I want to know what I could have done better." And he goes, "You're the best speaker I have in all of my classes." Uh huh. Nice. And she didn't know that. She's, mm. she's like, really? Mm. I was like, oh, of course, because, you know, I'm your dad. And, you know, <laughs> we had to I love learned, you, sweetie. We had to have learned how to speak somewhere, uh, you, mm. you know, here in the house. Uh, but I do meet people who can't, they, they just can't involve themselves in a conversation. And I guess what happens is then you, then, intimacy can become transactional kind of because of those mm. apps right and although yeah. although is tinder really any different than going to a bar getting drunk meeting another drunk person skipping yeah. over the talking part and having sex right it's kind of the same yeah. thing right yeah. yeah 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 i think it is like to most people at least <laughs> yeah it, it, whereas i never also like i never felt confident enough in my appearance that I thought I could just stand out there and go, Hey, <laughs> let's go. You know, like I, I thought I had to like 
I, I had to win you over with my personality to get to that mm. point. So interesting. But you ha- yep. you don't have that problem, though. You really could walk outside, Joy, and go, hey, let's go. And you'd have interest. I could. What? You don't want like, that. That's because that's funny because I don't really consider myself like very attractive necessarily. And like it was a shock to me being on Tinder. And like I just had a few badly taken pictures of myself. And like I got a lot of guys writing to me. And I was like, what the heck is this? I had I, this I, is the most well laid humble brag anyone's ever done. It took you an hour of saying like, "Oh, I don't know, I have problems, blah blah blah." No, but I threw no, my no, but I threw I a think, crap picture of myself out there, and the men wouldn't stop calling Scott. But I think I think a lot of women have that experience of Tinder actually, and women tend to get like a lot more matches than men do. Like we have to try a lot less in general, yeah, because. Like, I think the interest from men is just like it's stronger. No, my okay, yeah. guys are animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's yeah, 100%. <laughs> like you're out there like I wonder if I'll meet somebody I like and guys are like that one's pretty. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, like, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Oh, this one too. Wow, they're all yeah. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my. It's guy standards just really really low or something. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Honestly, like I was a young man once and I I had a type like there was yeah. there was an, a, a, a visage that I looked for hair color that I found more attractive, like facial mm. features, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, that doesn't make like you're not my type, but I know you're pretty. Yeah. Like, and if you came up to me and were like, hey, like, let's imagine a world where I'm not as old as I am. And you came up to me and you were like, I would like to go out with you. I would look at you. My first thought might be, oh, I usually like, and then I wouldn't get that whole word out of my mouth. And I'd be like, yes, please. That would be lovely. And and then I would see if I liked you. And it, oh. yeah, there'd be no, like, I don't get guys who say things like, I don't like redheads. Really? Like, I don't understand that at all. Like, I like people. What? I like people. And then if, if, I, if we have good personality, if we get along well, mm. I don't know that it matters what you look like. Yeah. Yeah. That's really funny mm, I because I, I consider myself, I think just I'm really, really picky about people. Like I, I don't like fall for someone easily. It happens very, very rarely. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't not understand. It's just, um, it's just very interesting to talk about. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, hey, uh, you have diabetes, huh? Yeah, I do have <laughs> diabetes. Thank you for asking. How do you uh, manage today? Uh, I manage, um, I still manage on pins, actually. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I have a, I think I might be managing a bit differently than other people on pins. How? Because uh, I don't have two types of insulin, I have three types. Oh, are you using inhaled as well? Nope. Are you using regular? Yes. Okay. Are you, Um, how do you, so tell me what you do. Well, I'm using long-acting insulin, uh, then I'm using the normal, fast-acting, modern insulin, and then I'm using human insulin. I requested uh, the human insulin because I had a lot of trouble with uh, managing my blood sugars with Novo Rapid alone, because the Novo Rapid, like, it would work 
very, very fast. Like it would punch down my blood sugars like within 40 minutes to an hour. And then like everything would rise again. And usually at the hospital, they just tell me, well, then you need to increase your long acting insulin. And then I was low all of the time, which kind of sucked. So I I could choose between like taking Noble Rapid like every two hours. And I couldn't sleep at this point. Like my, I, I got no sleep at all because I had to wake up like every third hour and use uh nova rabbit to like punch down my blood sugars Mm -hmm. and you know i i do a lot of research i did a lot of research about diabetes on my own right from the get-go that that's not a part of autism like we get easily fixated about like weird nerdy topics uh i got fixated on diabetes and i had read all about pumps and i thought that if i got a pump i could increase my basal or I could do an extended bolus that would make the insulin like have like a lower impact over a longer time and it would that would fix my problem, right? So I went to um, talk to my doctor and uh, he just said that you're not getting a pump. Your, your numbers are too good. Your HbA1c is way, way too low. So I was not getting a pump. I tried my hardest to convince uh, everyone that that was a good idea, but wasn't getting one. Then I read a little bit about like uh, different kinds of insulin. And um, I learned that there were other types of insulin that don't go rapid. Mm -hmm. And I learned that human insulin works slower than no rapid. And so I requested that I'd get some human insulin too. And, that was easy. How often do you shoot that? It depends on what I'm eating, really. Um, essentially, my human insulin works as an extended bolus. So if I'm eating something with like lots of fat and protein, I'll use that after I'm done eating. Like I'll take my Nova Rapid before eating, and then I'll finish off with some uh, human insulin. Mm-hmm. And then... That manages my blood sugars quite well. Wow. What's your A1C? It is 5.2, I think. Oh, good for you. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a particular style that you eat in or a little of everything? A little of everything. Um, I like carbs. I like pizza. I like <laughs> pancakes. I really like carbs. Yeah. Well, I understand. I think if I would like... If I was to describe my particular style of eating, I think I'm doing intimate fasting. I don't like, I've never been a breakfast person. It's more like accidental intermittent intimate fasting. Right. Yeah. I'll eat lunch and then something before I go to sleep and then that's it. And are you using a glucose monitor? Uh, I have uh, the Freestyle Libra 2. Okay. You wear it all the time? Uh, yes. Okay. I do. Uh, like... So, like, the Freestyle Libre is that flash glucose monitor. Yeah. You have to, like, hold the reader or your phone up to it to get the number. Yeah. But, uh, like, the the Libre 2, unlike the Libre 1, still has the alarms. So, you're getting alarms even though you're not scanning. So It's terrific. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy about that. And you don't have any trouble living alone anymore? Like, you don't have any thoughts about, like... Your sleep, you're you're pretty comfortable with with all that part of it. 
I'm very confident. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not scared at all. It's really wonderful. It's really something. Like, you had a really quick turnaround. Yeah. I, but that's, like, because I got very, very good at using insulin very fast. How did that happen? How, because you talked about the, the education you had at the beginning being kind of rudimentary. So how did you learn? Well, essentially, uh, I have access to, like, the university library because I'm a student at the university. So I just started reading a bunch of research articles about, like, um, the action curves of insulin and about, like, glycemic indexes and carbohydrates and fat and protein and, like, just everything you can imagine. I also read a lot about, like, um, injection areas in the body. Like, for instance, I figured out that, like, when you inject into your stomach then it's like that's the second fastest area and then if you inject into your arms that's faster and then if you inject into your side that's like the third slowest and like your bot that's the fourth slowest and so i started experiencing experimenting with that so if i inject myself in different areas i can also get my insulin to like act in the timeline that i want to yeah that's it okay. huh? you just you figured out how to use insulin that's what you did yeah yeah, I experimented a crazy amount. Like, I read a crazy amount, and I, for some reason, I was not afraid to experiment. Mm. Like, I think I was very afraid, like, of low blood sugar in the beginning, but, like, then I figured out that I really, 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 really had to fuck up for it to get low, like, really dangerously low. And I've never, like, a low that I felt like I was going to die. Yeah. So I was very, very willing to just experiment. I had to make a note for myself just now because of your accent. I almost didn't hear that you said fuck up. And I'm like, oh, I have to edit that out. But it took me, oh, a, it took me a while to hear that you said it. <laughs> I curse a lot. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. I love cursing. If it wasn't for the fact that we were being recorded, I'd be cursing constantly. <laughs> yeah. Well, how did you find the podcast being in Denmark? You know, as part of my fixation on type 1 diabetes and my semi-autistic interest in it, uh, I just, like, found... I was searching for every little bit of information that I could get, and I really liked listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. I found a lot of diabetes podcasts, and actually, I found yours very early, but... I mean, I heard of it very early, but I did not want to listen to it because okay. it was called... The juice box podcast and i heard that you were you weren't a type one you were the parent of a type one and so i just thought it would be a bunch of parents like talking about their bratty kids with diabetes <laughs> 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 they're bratty kids that's great okay yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not my yeah. vibe i wouldn't do that so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then like i actually started listening to the podcast uh, in two rounds. Like, I attempted it twice. The first time, I I think I ran into some really, really unfortunate episodes. Like, not in that they were bad, but for me, unfortunate. Where I think you were talking to some low-carbers, and I really, 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 really did not like low carb when I started out because I, I didn't know a lot about diabetes back then and I was really really afraid that you know I was gonna have to be like really restrictive with my carbs mm -hmm. and so like I like I bumped into those episodes and like I thought like oh yeah the 
he's one of those because all of the other diabetes podcasts at that time, at least, were also like talking like carbs are bad and being like, you have to reduce your carbs and uh, yeah, like, if you jump in at the wrong place, it's interesting. You just jump in yeah. at the wrong place and yeah, and me trying to make a well-rounded show, you think, oh, this must be how the whole thing is. Yeah, yeah, um, and I like I was, I was really, really, really deterred by like the thought that you have to reduce your carbs sure. and you can't eat what you want to. Like you, you have to eat a certain way if you have diabetes because that that was like the rhetoric I was meeting everywhere else. And then if you ate something, quote unquote, fun, then of course your blood sugar would be like 400. And then we just like laugh and have fun about that because diabetes is impossible to control. And ha ha ha, I really didn't like that. I mean, it accidentally thought that your podcast was Was like like, that. Yeah. No, if you would have been with me this weekend with Arden, you would know I don't think that way. She, my God, we were in restaurants for three straight days. And Mm. my goodness, like the things she ate. She and because she was so tired of college food, like yeah. every time we got to a restaurant, she got a big smile on her face and she ordered something different, you know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we were uh, we were using insulin very effectively yeah. this weekend. Well, okay, but okay. So then what happened the second time around? I think I, I actually I think um, I started out being your favorite kind of listener. I thought you were fucking insufferable. Ah, oh, perfect. That's excellent. Yeah, yes. that's how it usually starts the best. And, yes. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I I thought you were like so pretentious and so annoying. I I don't even know what it was, but like I finally found a podcast that that wasn't just like diabetes is just a randomness, and I really 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 enjoyed that and then as i you know continued listening like you grew on me and i started really liking you as a host Mm. yeah uh, like fungus almost it just starts slow (laughs) yeah and then eventually it's everywhere and you can't do anything about it no no okay that's perfect exactly exactly you're like a fungus (laughs) perfect i imagine that's the greatest compliment you ever. i i swear i there's a a review out there somewhere that just says i hate that guy and i love the (laughs) show and i'm like oh it's wonderful (laughs) unfortunately i don't hate you anymore well you said before we started recording that i sound like a podcast host to you what did you mean by that you have a very deep very well articulate booming voice. Really? It's interesting. Mm. That's a little bit the microphone too, you know. Yeah, I think so. Like your yeah. sound quality is also really great. Right. So. Yeah, no, I mean if you met me in person, I don't think I'm like resonating in your ear. But eh. yeah. But it is my voice though. I do have a deep voice. I just um I I just also have a nice setup where I'm also yeah. a podcast fan. And mm. I know that I can't listen to noisy podcasts. Oh, I can't either. Right. Uh, not at all. Yeah, yeah. No, no. For for 100%, like, it would bother me. It would bother the hell out of me if I was trying to listen yeah. to something and it was yeah. noisy. Okay, well, now now you love me, which is perfect. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, and I really like your podcast. And I think I I haven't listened to all of the episodes, but I have listened to uh, the vast majority of them. Yeah. There's no way to listen to all. I mean, I, there is. There are people who tell me, like, I just finished. I caught up. And I'm always very grateful about that. Yeah. But it's a lot, and it's on purpose because I don't think that everybody can possibly love every conversation. And like I don't know, like it just to me seems like there should be enough 
for you to try mm. that there's something here for you. Because yeah. in my mind, the longer people stay and listen, the better they're going to do with their diabetes. Yeah. And sometimes you, that's not a front burner goal for people all the time. They don't mm. think that's actually possible. So I'm not tricking them into taking better care of themselves. I'm just sort of giving them a place that I hope they want to keep coming back to. And hopefully that gives them the information they need and the time, mm. the, the time they need to put it into practice. That's kind yeah. of my hope. So I think that at the point where I found your podcast, I was all, I was already like doing really well with my diabetes. I think I just really liked the podcast because I was so, so happy about finding someone who agreed with me because the general consensus uh, with other type ones here and at the hospital and stuff like that is it does is kind of that diabetes is just like this wild un unmanageable entity and uh, like you're gonna have like wild crazy blood sugars all of the time and there's no way to control it and like the full moon affects your blood sugars and stuff like that and I really didn't think that was the case and I think it's I don't articulate that as often as I used to, but I hate that, that like, it, oh, that's just diabetes idea. Yeah. 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 Completely unknowable. Nothing you can do about it. Just yeah. get on the ride, ride it into the grave. That's what this is going to be. You know, like, I, yeah. I, I hate that idea. Yeah. I mean, it, and it fucks people up, really, because like, I know other people with type one diabetes and they don't really get any help ever like they want to manage their blood sugars better but they're always told that like oh that's just diabetes you're gonna have to accept highs and lows and, and i don't know what you should do well you're the endocrinologist like you're the person who's supposed to know well they never know yeah they never know no it's it's just a it's bad storytelling, really, is what it is. It's just, it, you know, it's not black, white. It's not on, mm. off. It's not good, bad. And that's probably why you rubbed up against the low-carb thing, because to you, it felt like yeah. giving, it felt like giving up to you. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. I, I think and believe and have, I think, proven over a decade or more now that you can eat, I mean... Listen, you can eat anywhere from unhealthy to super healthy, mm. but you still have to manage that with insulin correctly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter how you eat to me. I don't care. Mm. I care that you know how to use your insulin. I care that you know how to bolus. I know that you, I care that you know how to set your basil up correctly, that you understand mm. the impacts from different foods. Like to me, that's all important. I'm not the food police. I, I can't, yeah. I can't tell you what to eat, but I do mm. know that. If you, I don't know, if you grew up with a bag of Fritos in your hand or you grew up with, you know, uh, uh, some square meals with some vegetables and a little this and a little this and like, doesn't matter who you are. You don't deserve to die from your diabetes because of how you eat. No. That does seem like the messaging, right? And especially yeah. in your world, because you're younger, mm. where the world really is like social media. So you, mm. you and those people, those voices they're choosing simple mm. to get clicks or to yeah. get follows or to sell their coaching or whatever they're it's hard to step back and realize that sometimes but they have to pick something that's easy to replicate and mm. then get behind it like it's religion or politics 
so they can yeah. sell like, well, it's low carb. If you do this, this is what's going to mm-hmm. happen. And I'm not saying that's yes. not true. You eat low carb, you'll probably have a lot of the, ex- the experiences they're having, you know. But yeah, for a person like you who's like, I would like pizza, please. Hmm. That sounds like you're giving up. Yeah. And then there are the people who go like, well, it doesn't matter. You can't do anything about it anyway. Just, you know, kiss it up to God or whatever yeah. that is. You, you know, like that, that's also, a, I, I chose reality, mm. which was difficult to, to convey to people. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I had to make, I'm sorry to cut you off, but like I had to make a commitment mm. to talking to people over a long time, long form to get this mm. out so that they could understand it. And then mm. you have to talk them into listening. And then they yes. don't have, and they have to not think you're a fungus. And then they have to like, <laughs> there's a lot of steps that like, so when I get a note from somebody today, which I will get, I'll get a lot of them about mm. someone's A1C or their success or their happiness, or they're making a baby now because of the podcast or whatever it's going to be. That wasn't just like me turning this microphone on and going, Hey, low carb, just do that. Yeah, I didn't pick something easy to talk about, and mm. um, and I'm glad that other people out there feel the same way you do because I think yeah. I think there are probably more people in the middle than there are on the extremes. Yeah, I think so too. But I also think that you know, food is the most accessible way to control your diabetes sure. because the, the endocrinologists have made it so because they don't want to talk to you about how insulin works, and so people. They think insulin is this scary medicine that only the doctor knows about. And so they like turn to the thing that they know they can work with. They turn to food and the carbs are what makes your blood sugar rise. Okay, we cut those out. Problem solved. Mm. Except I want chocolate. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. except I want chocolate. And I don't have any problem with like low carb eating if like if you don't sure if you don't care about carbs like if you don't like spaghetti you don't have to eat spaghetti Uh, i don't either i i think if people want to live that way and i think that's perfect for them you know like absolutely right i think the problem is what you're saying if a doctor says to you we'll cut out carbs and then the next thing that happens to you is you go i can't or i don't want to Mm. and then then what's the next step well oh well then you're screwed yeah. Like what? We we skipped over how the insulin works. Interesting. Yeah. You know, and yeah. your point, it's hard to explain to people and nobody wants to be on record talking about it and it just uh and then it leads to a lot of people being it leads to a lot of people being disenfranchised and mm. lo- and losing their health because yeah. they couldn't keep their carbs to 20 carbs a day. Yeah. Yeah, or or just feeling really trapped because some people, uh, I've met people who are like, who will keep their carbs to 20 carbs a day, even though they hate it because they're so, they're so afraid of like losing their sight or losing their feet or like, they're just like living in, in a life that they have, haven't chosen for themselves. It's just like, they're trapped and right. they don't know how to get out because no one's helping them. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, it just, it all makes, it's clear and obvious to me. And I think that in the end, people or entities or doctors or anybody who finds themselves in a position of sharing an idea with you, mm. they'll say, well, here is perfect best case scenario. 
Yeah. And if you're not achieving that, then you just didn't try hard enough. And yeah. I don't know how true that is. So, yeah. you know, I don't think you should have to live in the in the failure of their unreasonable expectations. No. And I mean, it's not even necessarily the doctors that like tell you that you can't have cake or something like that. Like people are smart. They'll figure out for themselves that mm. like they were instructed to take their insulin this way and they don't know any other way. And if I eat cake, then, oh, my blood sugar like suddenly rose to 300. That's not nice. Now I'll stop eating cake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's it. Now I, it never happens again. And the doctor goes, yeah. okay, well, you're doing the right thing. And, yeah. and, and and it's, again, not that that's not true, that if you just had a piece of chicken and some broccoli and whatever, like, you, you'd have an easier time with your diabetes and that would be healthy, et cetera. Mm. Um, but that doesn't make it doable for everybody. No. And for so many reasons, some of them I don't think we even understand well yet. Um, you know, and now you're seeing a lot of people using like GLP ones for weight loss and for mm. di- and for type two diabetes. You're going to start seeing that for type one diabetes as well. Yeah, you know, because satiation and feeling full, um, I think is, I think it's a lot more to do with ke- you know, it's obvious, right? It's chemicals in your brain and in your body, and you're not in control of those. No, you and, aren't. Yeah. So it just can't be for the lucky people who don't feel drawn to, how did I hear somebody put it recently, that there's a food noise in their head. Mm, yeah. They always want to eat. And no matter how much they eat, they're still hungry. And that's, mm. and these are like, I know some of these people, they're not gluttonous people. They're just, it's how they're wired, you know. I mean, I had that problem, like, one of the backlashes of anorexia is that you'll typically develop some sort of binge eating, like, one of the reasons that I got so good control of my diabetes was that I still had a problem with binge eating, and I knew I was going to speed run complications if I did not learn how to control my insulin. You're very interesting. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, you're very, very interesting. You're a bit of a paradox every time you talk, but in a very lovely and valuable way. Well, we've been talking for a while. I have to ask you if there's anything we haven't covered because I need to wrap up, but Oh yeah. Anything at uh, all that we didn't say that you wanted to? I mean, I guess it's sort of relevant that I'm actually writing my uh, master's degree in about like type 1 diabetes and uh and disordered eating. How long until you're finished? Do you think? Uh first of June, actually. Oh wow. Good for Oh, you're so close. Yeah, I'm so close. I've been doing my interviews and all of that stuff. So I'm just like sitting and uh, analyzing. Congratulations. How long, yeah. how long, how much work is that in years to get to this point? Oh, I've been, I started in 2018. So that's like a, almost five years I've been going. Wow. Yeah. Then, then you'll go out into the world and do what? What do you want to do? Actually, I do think that I want to work um, with people with type 1 if I can get to do it mm-hmm. in some sort of capacity. I think that would be really interesting. I, Of course, I would be accepting other types of work. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like Because I'm not going to get my first, first choice immediately. But I think that like talking... So type ones would be really, really interesting. You've talked uh, on your podcast before about how valuable it can be to like have 
a psychologist or a mental health professional who like has type one themselves. Yeah. Cause it gets, it's, it's that different kind of understanding that, that you don't really get right. elsewhere. And it also stops people from doing what we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes, which is just to blurt out mm -hmm. the, the argument of the day and then say, yeah. and to say, that's it. That's the rule. Live your life that way. Yeah. Instead of actually being able to talk it through with someone who understands the intricacies of what's happening. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that would be wonderful if you did that. I, ho I hope that works out for you. Mm, yeah, I really want to. It could be really, really exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, well, I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem. I was really excited to do this, actually. You were it's terrific. So I'm only disappointed about one little thing. What? If you would have just referenced cheese at anywhere along the way, I could have called this episode Cheese Danish. Uh, but you did God not. Damn it. I actually, like, I can do it really fast. No, actually. it's too late now. It's no! too late. <laughs> Damn it. I do have a funny story about cheese, though. You have a funny story about cheese? A funny diabetes-related story. All right, about go cheese. ahead, go ahead. Okay. Uh, it's actually a general story, but, like, when I get low blood sugar, for some reason, I crave cheese, which is the most useless food item in the entire world to crave when your blood sugar is low. And... That's always the case. Like you get low and yep. you're like, I, is it a specific kind of cheese or just any cheese? I think most of gouda and cheddar, but I want to eat cheese and then I want to go to sleep. So essentially when I have low blood sugar, I have chosen death. <laughs> I have to say that I am disappointed. It didn't come up naturally in the conversation, but I don't care. Damn it. This episode's yeah. called cheese Danish. Thank you very yes. much. Thank Ooh. you so much. Hold on one second for me. <laughs> A huge thanks to my guest, whose name I still cannot pronounce. And, of course, to the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter for sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Contournext.com slash juicebox. You cannot go wrong with a contour meter. They are incredibly accurate, easy to hold, easy to use, and best of all, easy to get. Contournext.com slash juicebox. Please don't forget Apple users. If you're using the Apple podcast app, hell, if you're using any app, please check and make sure your auto downloads are on for all episodes. It would really mean a lot to the podcast. If you're looking for community, look no farther than the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook group. It's called Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes, and there's a link in the show notes. Over 43,000 members who have Type 1, Type 2, LADA, every diabetes you can think of. There's adults and caregivers, there's doctors and nurses, and me oh my. Everybody you can think of is in that group. It's absolutely free for you to use. Go check it out today. Before I go, I'm going to leave you with an outtake of me trying to announce this episode. I hope you're having a great day. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Hello, friends. <clears throat> Hello, friends. Hello, friends. And welcome to episode 1070. Hello, friends.
and welcome to episode 1072 of the Juicebox Podcast. Nailed it! <laughs> 